0: Dead bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. and have a summer fruit to please you. Red currants? Would you like to make your own red currant jelly? Oh, I remember Was the it... last time you said that behind a microphone. Oh, Kirsten, are we recording? Because that's embarrassing. Yeah. You can put it on the pod. Have you I've got done it, it
1: before. I'll, I'll rehash it again. I'll put it back out there.
0: Did you say... There's no need to do it again. It's C-U-N-T. already been done, Kirsten. Yep. I did, I was we'll trying, it, it was late in the day, it was I very did. hot, I was tired, I was trying to say red currants and I said red cunts, because it's already been on the pod, there's no need to repeat it. you know what I realised we did? We repeated ourselves, well actually it was me, not you. When? Um, the nameless does, the Instagram thing, now we're doing it for a third time. Oh, okay, we're not talking about it. <laughs> Who goes first? You. Okay. Uh, this one came from a friend and colleague by the name of Emily Power, who's yes. lovely and she listens to iPod and she's a really nice girl. Uh, but she's clearly, you know, I don't she's know what she does with her spare time.
1: The same shit you and I do in our spare time. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Because she's passed on a story. Emily, 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 take a long, hard look at yourself.
1: Doing this in my spare time has become so normalized with Nicholas that there are times where I say I'm just going to go and write some stuff for the pod and then I'm there typing about murders and talking about murders and he does not bat an eyelid, that man. He's so used to it. Actually,
0: it's funny. Kieran has too. So I'm working my way through it and it's a very rich source of stories. I love it. I got it from an op shop, a book called The Encyclopedia of Serial Murderers. Yeah.
1: See, I have those books at
0: home too. And it's actually not a really good book because they don't go in depth into each case. I find
1: that a lot too in prepping for the pod. They don't go... Enough, yeah. so I need to go and find other information. But I like that. Like, I like oh. to use that as a starting point. Oh, yes, for
0: the, agreed. Yep. yep. Uh, but so, you know, I'll be propped up in bed in my frou frou nighty
1: with your serial killer <laughs> book. My
0: serial killer book, and Kieran does like, good night. <laughs> 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 All right, so this is from Emily. Emily wanted us to look into the phenomenon of coffin births. So, there's a story that came up quite recently, well, in the last decade anyway, about a grave that was uncovered in 2010 mm-hmm. in the medieval Italian town of Imola. Okay. Do you think I'm saying that right? Imola? Imola. Imola. Uh, what was that? That was me. Ben. Doing an accent. That was it. Accent.
1: I was... At- Medieval Italian.
0: There's no such thing as a medieval accent. <laughs> no, there right is. The you can I hear think it. I reckon they just grunted a bit at each Probably. other. Probably. <sighs> No, that's caveman. Oh, they were cavemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're only halfway between cavemen and here, so they hadn't okay. fully evolved with the English okay. language. So a pregnant woman had died and was buried in the 7th or 8th century, but when they found her grave, mm-hmm. they only found it the grave a decade ago, they noticed a cluster of tiny bones between the women's legs. Oh, no. It was the remains of her fetus, which appeared to have been born after her death. So she buried, yep, you're following Well, this birth. would make sense mm.
1: because everything relaxes.
0: Yes. Please, let me tell you more. Okay. I... Does it just slide out? Can you both hold oh, no. your questions till the Sorry. end, please? Is it please? alive? Uh, so, side note, archaeologists also noticed there was a small hole in her skull. So they weren't sure how she died, but we'll come back to that in a second. So there was a, public, a paper published in the World Neurosurgery publication looking into the case the woman's remains were face up in a stone grave so it looked like she had been deliberately buried and not just mm-hmm. dumped somewhere she was between 25 and 35 when she died her fetus had reached about the 38th week of gestation so she's a couple of weeks shy of full term wow the baby's legs were still inside the mother but the head and really? upper body appeared to have been Ooh. born after she died so the, and you have to remember, they're working with something from the 7th or 8th century. Right. It's really old. Um, the authors of the study suggested that it was a rare example of what's called post-mortem fetal extrusion, or coffin birth, which occurs when gases build up inside the body. You can Google it, and I did, and it's very long and complex about okay. the process of decomposition of a body. But you know how we've spoken about things break down, gases. Sure. So they think it's just the gases build up so much to the point where it actually pushes the the fetus out of the birth canal. Um, So I'll just come back to the hole that was in the woman's skull. Mm -hmm. It was 4.6 millimetres wide. So that's like, what is that, about a quarter of an inch or something? Yeah. It was very neat and clean. So they don't think it was from any sort of a violent attack or even a, a, Is that a, a medical um, procedure. Arrow. Yeah. Mm. They think it was that the hole had been drilled into the woman's skull as part of a, a type of surgery they did back then called trepanation. Was that because she was acting crazy? Well, it's hard to know. So it was thought that um, at the time that this trepanation treatment would relieve high fever, convulsions, intracranial pressure. So her skull apparently also had signs of a little incision, like there was a cut along it. So they okay. had cut her her uh, scalp open in order to do it. So... Um, it does suggest that they were doing this trepanation. Um, and given that she was heavily pregnant, it's possible she had had some sort of um, complications. So preeclampsia or eclampsia, all of these things can raise your temperature, okay. high blood pressure. Maybe her liver wasn't working correctly. She may have even, if you have eclampsia, that can cause seizures. And eclampsia is a problem with the um, uh, what's it called, the bit that the, the afterbirthy thing that plugs Plac- the baby into the, the uterus. The Thank you. Yeah. Um, she may have even had seizures. So if a person who wasn't pregnant had any of those things, they would do this um, treatment on her. What okay. What they call it? Trepanation. So it's possibly that's why they were doing it. There was even some signs they could tell on the skull that her skull had started to heal. So it's possible that right. the treatment had been done sometime before she actually died. So they weren't able to say exactly how she died. But... Um, some other examples, the earliest case, and I'm going to say that that one was much earlier than that, but this one was in 1551, there was a pregnant woman who was tried and hanged by the courts of the Spanish Inquisition four hours after her death and while her body was still hanging by the neck. Oh, no. She, yeah. Is this too gross, even for us?
1: No, nah, sometimes I think stories are too gross, but our podcast is called Dead Bodies, so... <sighs> Yeah, true. There's There's no reason you come here. Uh, Yeah, yeah, four hours. You know what you're getting. I don't know why she (laughs) was still
0: hanging by her neck after four hours, but anyway, two dead infants (sighs) were seen to fall free of the body, which is unusual because that would not, I would think, the the gases wouldn't have time to build up by that stage, but that could be to do with the fact that she She was was... still hanging there. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't sure whether her body had started to somehow at a very fast rate of putrefaction or something else, some other factor was at work there. In Brussels in 1633, a woman died in convulsions Mm -hmm. and three days later a fetus was spontaneously expelled. In Weissenfels in 1861, a post-mortem fetal extrusion was observed 60 hours after the death of a pregnant woman. In 2005... The body of a 34-year-old woman, eight months pregnant, was discovered in an apartment in Hamburg in Germany. The body was bloated and discoloured. And when they first looked at her, they found that the head of the fetus had started to appear in the vaginal opening. So at the autopsy, the medical examiners found that both the head and shoulders of the fetus had emerged. So they concluded that that was this um, coffin death or fetal extrusion in progress. The woman had had two babies before, mm-hmm. and things do kind of loosen up down there once you've had one baby. She died of a heroin overdose, but it was the first modern case that where found. they were able to document a, a case of um, post-mortem fetal extrusion in protest. 2008, the body of a 38-year-old woman who was seven months pregnant was found in an open field Four days after she disappeared from where she lived in Panama, a plastic bag had been left over her head. She'd been gagged, so that was obviously ruled a homicide. The body had suffered from the tropical heat and the high humidity, so it was uh, bloated, discolored. At autopsy, the remains of the fetus were discovered in her undergarments the fetus was in a, a similar state of decomposition to what she was. The umbilical cord was intact, uh, intact and still attached to the placenta inside the uterus. So this was the first forensic case in which it could be concluded that coffin birth had occurred based on the position of the bodies and the attachment of the cord. Uh, and then in 2019, now this one, because I got those last couple of bits off Wikipedia, this one has the, the square brackets citation needed right and this one i'm looking at you Chanel, because okay. you all know this case well we all know this case now um so just bear in mind citation needed i've just drawn a circle around it okay for, for those who are watching us and we're not being filmed so i don't know why i bothered sure in 2019 the autopsy reports in the case of the watts family homicides yes in two, uh, 2018, revealed that Shanann Watts, yes. who had been 15 weeks pregnant at the time of her murder, had been found in a oh. shallow grave and that the fetus had been expelled from her body along with the placenta and umbilical cord. So, given that Wikipedia has the citation needed there, I don't know that that's true Yeah, or that there's any other documentation anywhere people anyone can edit Wikipedia, so don't take that as gospel. But I guess it's possible, yes. And for people wow. who don't
1: remember, what's is the um, it was Chris Watts, wasn't it? Off the top of my head, yeah, yeah. who murdered his uh wife and his children two daughters and yep. unborn baby. Great mm. documentary about it on Netflix, an American
0: yep. murderer next door,
1: yes. God. Gesturing. I was thinking, like
0: you know, when you look yep. at a coffin and it's like you know, it gets real skinny towards the feet. Yes. Yeah. So I,
1: thinking like, how does you know, like your legs can't really open yeah. up. Oh, so in that's what? That's a good point. Form like, I yeah, it's just like it's so confusing. That's
0: very. Good point. Because I'm picturing it,
1: like people giving birth with their legs in stirrups. Yeah, wide I open. wonder if that's why some of them aren't all the way
0: out. They don't like put just, you in stirrups yeah. usually anymore these days. Well, just so you know, forever, no, good to know. The occasion <laughs> ever arises, they do have them, and I think if it's someone's being difficult, then they'll just put them in the stirrups. But mostly, it's just like you know, pull, pull your just, knees up. Yeah, you just um, do yourself. You're right. You do need you mm. need a bit of room. Yes. Yeah. That is very interesting. So it could be that, if the if it's in the coffin, if the body's decomposing, the ligaments, the joints, the muscles, everything's so loose anyway. Yeah. So perhaps it just sort of it can just come out. Like you haven't got firm muscles holding yeah. it in place. Yeah. Full
1: on. Whew. Ready for my part I'm two. Ready. So I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I told you there would be a part two, and this is the part two. Are you doing a little recap? Because it's going to be
0: a week since we've heard. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you know
1: executive producer. No, I can remember off the okay. top of my head. Wow. So last week we brought you uh, the story of the Bega schoolgirls, mm-hmm. uh, Nicole and Lauren, who were murdered uh, by Beckett and Camilleri, they were trying to get to a party. They were picked up by the pair. A uh, Police officer had a hunch that it could be these two rascals, um, and right, dobbed them into detectives. Ended up, Beckett confessed. Camilleri went to rascals. Rascals too. Not sorry. Hard enough.
0: It's yeah. It's too cute. Rascals sound cute, don't they? Yeah. Fuckers. Rascals. It's like peeping Tom again. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Okay.
0: Yep. Um, Thank you. Fuckers. That's and
1: it. Camilleri sentenced to life. Yeah, And he's in jail. Right. Okay. So, we're going to 1992 and we're in Glenroy. So, we're at 1992
0: prior. We're in a different state now. Are we? No, Glenroy yeah, well, I think is Victoria. Victoria. Okay.
1: And we're in 1992, so this is okay. prior to the girls. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, England Roy is where 13-year-old Prue Bird lives with her mother, Jenny. Mm-hmm. You know this story.
0: I recognize the name, yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Her mother's friend, Isabel, also lives in the house and her half-sister and her half-brother, Prue, went to Glenroy High School. On Saturday, the 1st of February, Prue had been at a friend's house and she came home around 10.30 that night. She told her mother she was going to sleep, but instead she climbed out of her bedroom window and returned to where she'd been earlier in the night. Um, She remained there with a friend until a friend rode her home on his bike at 5am and she got back into the house by climbing through her bedroom window. So, you know, she was a typical teenager. Jenny Bird saw her daughter when she looked into Prue's bedroom about 1245 the next day. It was a Sunday afternoon. She saw that Prue was asleep. Her mother didn't disturb her. She then left the house and went with a friend to the Broadmeadows baths, leaving behind Isabel, the friend that lived there and Prue. Later that day, Isabel was packing to actually move out of that house, and around one o'clock, friends of Isabel arrived to help her with packing. At that time, Prue had woken up and she was preparing herself a meal. Ten minutes later, the phone rang, and Isabel answered. The call was for Prue, It was from a um a teenage boy, but he didn't say who he was. Prue spoke to him on the phone for a few minutes, and, it, appeared that after this call, her mood had changed. She was happy prior to this, but she was quite moody after that phone call. Mm. Isabel left the house and went into the garage to continue packing her things. And she heard the phone ring again and Prue answer it. And there was another short conversation. When Isabel came back into the house, she saw that the television was on and the meal that Prue had prepared was sitting on the table with a fork still in it. The front door was open and Prue was not home. She locked the house, this is Isabel, and Mm. went to Broadmeadows Baths to meet up with Prue's mum. That had been previously arranged. She told Miss Bird that Prue was up and about but had gone out. Mm -hmm. When they both returned to the house about six o'clock that night, the house was in the same state that it had been left in and Prue was not there. Later that evening, Miss Bird began ringing family and friends to try and locate Prue, but she couldn't. The contents of Prue's school bag were found emptied on her bed. Her school bag and a pair of black trousers were missing. Ms. Bird told police later that Prue was fussy about her appearance and would not have left the house without a shower and makeup, and would have not have taken her school bag out on a weekend. The next day, Prue was reported missing. That was the 3rd of February, 1992. Mm. And although police searched and searched and searched, there was never any sign of Prue. By 2008, Victoria Police posted a half a million dollar reward for any information leading to the arrest of those responsible for the disappearance of Prue Bird and money talks amongst criminals. A number of prisoners came forward, and they all came forward with the same name, Leslie Camilleri. They said Camilleri had made admissions while in jail to killing Prue. At the time of her disappearance, he was 22, and he was known to police at that time. He'd been found in possession of a knife, and he was arrested on outstanding warrants. In February 2009, police intelligence intercepted a letter Camilleri had written to his sister Annette um, in jail saying that he was thinking of putting his hand up for another three murders.
0: Oh, really? He's already in
1: jail for the murder of the, the two girls, Yeah, thinking of putting his hand up for another three. On September 2009, Camilleri wrote to a man that we can only, I don't know it could be a man or a woman, a person called Witness A telling him that it was only the little girl he had ever given a second thought about and that he couldn't bring himself to say her name. He wrote of tying her hands behind her back and lying her face down on the floor of the car and that he regarded her death as an accident. On the 1st of October 2009, members of the Homicide Squad went down to Barwon Prison and they spoke with Camilleri extensively. He told them in that conversation that he was responsible for Prue Bird's death. He was formally interviewed the, the next day because that was just more of a casual conversation. Mm. And he maintained that he was responsible for Prue Bird's death, but that it was an accident. He told police that he had tied Prue's hands behind her back and then her feet, connected them together with cables, and put her face down in the back seat. Where does the accident part happen? When you're We're doing tying? That? Yeah, I'm not sure. How, it, was it an accident that you tied her up? Yeah, it was just all an accident. <sighs> put her on the back seat of a white unregistered valiant. He said that Prue was in his car for two or three hours, and when he pulled over to the side of the road, she was dead. Three weeks later, on October 24, 2009, Camilleri was visited by his sister. He told her he was responsible for the death of a young girl and that she was buried near the body of a man who had assaulted him when he was a young boy. He said he'd found that man again years later by chance and abducted him with the intention of going to find the other male who he was also abused by. So that's yeah. Camillary told her that man he abducted died in his company and was buried near the young girl, Yeah. despite his sister's urging, Camilleri would not reveal the location of where the girl's body was because to do so, he said he would reveal the location of the man's body and by doing that, he would lose control over him. Nah. Yeah. Nah. No. The police interviewed Camilleri again on February 8, 2012. On this occasion, he uh, said that he'd come to Victoria looking for someone and in doing that, he drove a white Ford Falcon XT around Heidelberg and took a girl from the side of the road as she was walking towards a school or a park. He couldn't explain why he thought that girl was connected to the man who had assaulted him. He said he parked his car on the side of the road and as this girl walked up he asked her where did your father go she replied she didn't know him she walked off he grabbed her around the throat and closed off her windpipe so that she could not breathe and could not fight he then drove off and drove around talking to her asking where her dad was at one point he pulled into a car park under a building and went to the back of the car and they think that he may have got the cables out at that time you
0: realize that's just like maybe one or two case from where we are right now yeah yeah
1: so close He said uh, he hogtied the girl, possibly when she was already dead and oh. dumped her body somewhere near some railway lines. That's what he's saying now, that he's dumped her near some railway lines. In February 2012, police mounted an extensive search of the area know- known as Fiddler's Green Creek, Flat Road Creek, eight kilometres south of New South Wales and the Victorian border. This was the area in which the Bega schoolgirls were murdered. Approximately 20 people assisted in the search, including cadaver, 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 cadaver dogs, but the search proved fruitless. Mm. Over the years, Camilleri has nominated several possible grave sites. He told police at one point that he had left Peru in an old refrigerator near the Cananoc Railway Station. Later, he suggested that he had left her in an old wardrobe at the Frankston Tip.
0: Why is he doing that?
1: Every single thing that he said has been discounted by police. Camilleri has never named the man that abused him or the location of he, that man's body and therefore Prue's body has never been found. Do you think
0: that man actually ever existed or do you think he's just made that up, as a?
1: don't know. Hmm. Might not. Camilleri was obviously already in jail for the Bega schoolgirl murders and at the time of his sentence for Prue Bird, he was given 28 years. Now, I did find... Online, a letter or an, a post that seems to be posted by Prue's mum. Mm she says hi everyone I'm Prue's mum Jenny she thanks the person who started this missing person's Facebook page it gives me great pleasure to know that Prue is still in everyone's thoughts Prue loved living Glenroy and her family and her friends she always felt safe walking the streets but someone took that away from her shortly before Prue went missing she received a phone call we have never been able to find out who that was maybe over the years you have heard various things that you may find insignificant but could be vital in solving problems Prue's case. This must have been before Camilleri was charged. If you do not want to go to police, you can contact me through private message. All I would like is closure for Prue to be buried with dignity. I have never been able to move forward. Please, if you can help, do so. Thank you, Jenny Bird. So it seems like she did write that before Camilleri was arrested, but there's obviously still a lot of unanswered questions. So I thought it was important to read it just in case... Someone is listening. You just never know something.
0: And the more time passes, you know, allegiances change, and people die that other people feel threatened by, so they then become happy to speak about things. Exactly right. Yeah, that's sad. Sad, sad, sad. Isn't it? Yeah, I know her. Like that's her name is. I suppose that must be something for her mother too. Is that?
1: There's nowhere to go. I know
0: her name though. Like she's not a forgotten person.
1: Okay, so.
0: I'm first. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm first. Well, you just finished your story. You don't
1: want me to tell you what to do. No,
0: I – You don't okay. want you to tell yeah, me what to first, do. Then. Okay. Hi, from Very yeah, Anonymous. another example because, because I declared that, yes, you may go first. Again, I'm doing that thing. So I'm do you want me not, to go or not go? I'm just, just going to zip it. I'm going to sit here and be quiet. Okay.
1: From Very Anonymous. Mm-hmm. <sighs>
0: I couldn't see. I couldn't. I couldn't see. Not just quite anonymous. Long, very, very anonymous. <laughs> very anonymous.
1: Okay. Hi all. Many nice things to you. Anonymous deals with FOI requests for an Australian state police department. I want that job. You. Yeah.
0: Should,
1: she, he or she basically gets to know all the secret shit that police want to know. Yes. And of course, I'm working. And I'm listening to you.
0: Good. Yes. Oh We're in there in a way. Ah, okay.
1: Here so we are. I like it. After listening to your episode about photographing crime scenes, a few things I thought I'd mention. I regularly have to assess photos of crime scenes, suicides, and car accidents, including photos of the victims slash deceased. Gosh. That's heavy. That is heavy. As Chanel mentioned, the MCIU Vic poll members regularly have to look at these photos. They do. But they go on to say, but I'm not a police officer. I'm just a public servant and have no specialized training on how to deal with this, but I've never been out on scenes dealing with this stuff on the reg. That's so true. Yeah. Anonymous has to look at all this stuff, isn't given any training. And this is the thing about I worry about the domino effect and everyone who has to see this material. I often think of these people. It's so many more people than anyone realizes. Okay, lucky for me, I have a pretty good ability to compartmentalize and have no issues looking at these kinds of things. I think it's probably similar to you, Chanel, in what you have had to see and deal with as a court reporter Mm. and how you've explained that you have to separate in order to manage the intense stuff at work versus home life. You have to. Mm. We also have to read reports and funnily enough, I have to be more conscious of what I read as opposed to what I see. I find it Harder to read reports relating to rape or sexual assault than I do looking at photos of deceased suicides or car accidents. Go figure.
0: I think that's so true. Because your imagination kicks in and probably makes it...
1: Yeah, I think rape is so...
0: Rose. Like, people live with that. Mm. You know? People
1: always... the The... Again, domino effect of rape mm. is so, you know, those people struggle to have relationships. They, I don't want to say those people,
0: victims of rape. But I also think there is an attitude of, um, oh, get over it. You know, you're okay. You're alive. Oh, Wait, 100%. So just move on. Yeah. How well, would you ever? you got away with your life. Good for you. I, I would find that so hard Same. to have been violated like that. Yeah.
1: In regards to body-worn camera footage, the legislation is very tight in regards to the sharing of footage. So if people did share it, there would be some pretty heavy prosecution involved. It can't even be released under FOI legislation. If we get requests, we don't even obtain it from members because we know it will be refused.
0: This is probably why they jumped on that case. So if you're not from Melbourne, there was an arrest in Melbourne of a fairly high-profile person. Yeah. And um, the person had gone downhill a bit since they'd last been seen in the public eye. And there were photographs of them taken during the arrest process, oh, of course. which were that was,
1: and someone is before the courts for that at the moment. Yes, exactly. But so
0: there was horrific. a big investigation into how any police officer allowed that to happen. Yeah, how those photos. Yes, and, and, oh. and they were released with exactly as it appears. You know, yes. oh look who's in being. Yeah, brought into correct the police station. Uh, yeah.
1: Anonymous says, also, I'm with Chanel. Thank you. <laughs> I never heard of any police, ambos or fireys taking or sharing footage of photos from a scene. I'd like to hope that I'm not being naive, but I think that most of these professionals attending yeah. scenes are too busy doing their job to be taking photos or videos or sharing around for funsies.
0: Yeah. She wrote
1: funsies. <laughs> I keep saying she, but it could be he. Could be. Um, thank you for your podcast. Stay safe and mask up.
0: Exactly. It exactly. probably came
1: in a few weeks ago before we had to. But I'm still wearing the mask, though. Look, do it.
0: Have I'm still it wearing you.
1: it in the supermarket. I think I'm you have to carry one it. with you. Yeah, you? I always have one in my bag now and I have them
0: in the door of my car. Um, you have you to wear know. it in the supermarket. We don't, I, I think you have to. I think if you can't In the supermarket, you have you to. Have to yeah, yeah, so I have mine on. Yeah. But the other day, the, a lady, um, she was lined up waiting to put a groceries through and I sort of had to come past her with my mm. trolley. She grabbed me by the arm and sort of pulled me in very close, as in like, I'm going to tell you a secret. So she was right up in my face. (gasps) And she said, and I thought it was actually going to be someone saying, oh, I listen to your radio show. But no, no such luck. No one knows who the fuck I am. (laughs) What she actually said was, um, she said, oh, my God, I've just realized I've forgotten to wear my mask. Yeah, So get away from me. Yeah, like, well, that's the in. thing. Like, why are you hugging me and why speaking you, right up in yes. my face? Then can you socially distance? And so you... then, what did you say? Well, I said, "Don't worry." I said, "We've all made that same mistake," and I did it once at the little cafe up the street. I actually was at the counter waiting for my cakes, and yeah. then said to the lady, oh, "I haven't got a mask on." She said, "No, no, it's okay." And I ran back. I said, "No, no, no, no!" Ran back out to the car and put it on. And came back in. Yeah, I've but, had um... someone ask me for a mask in the street. Oh, okay. I said, I forgot my mask. Do you have well, one? Yeah, they're not dirt uh, cheap. I don't want to pack it up. I've been buying there a couple of bucks Well, I think basque. that they were
1: pretty genuine. I had one in my bag, so I just gave it okay, to
0: them. Okay, if you've got a supply yeah, of them. I have a supply of you, was... Bunnings or something? Canvas <laughs> Warehouse no. in Chanel's backpack. Uh, Deborah sent us a recipe, <laughs> a recipe for murder cookies. Apparently someone what? was having strange things happen in their home in Maine in the US. Okay. And things going missing from their fridge. There were things going off the shelf. So they looked into the history of the house and they found that the woman who had lived in the house in the 1930s had been murdered. Oh. Now, the husband had then moved to another state with the kids two days after the murder. He was a suspect, but he never went to court. But the next-door neighbour was a baker, and one of their best sellers, this baker that lived next door to the murder house, was these things called Scotch. Cookies. So, someone put that recipe on Reddit and then another person commented, Mmm, murder cookies. So, this recipe has become known as the murder cookie recipe. Okay. And it's got butter and molasses, eggs, flour and spices and stuff, which sounds a bit like gingerbread, which you've been eating today. Yes. Um, We have actually put that recipe up on our Facebook page. Go find it, Dead Bodies. Uh, If you do make them, let us know how they turn out. And I also just want to give a mention to... So, it's another podcast and I have to be honest, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but they're very sweet. So, they're they're Kimberly. They love listening to our pod and they asked us, will we give them a little leg up to start things off? So, it's Kimberly and Stephanie. No. What? (laughs) I know you don't approve of this. No.
1: Why not? No, I'm being an asshole. You're being an asshole. Okay. Uh,
0: (laughs) Stephanie, you didn't put your name on. I had to actually look it up on Apple, on iTunes to find you there, but it's called... Solved, unsolved, or spooky. If they get bigger than
1: us, this is going to be yeah. an issue. Well, be, if I'll they I'll do be get bigger man. than us. Yeah, see, hang every on curse bit. is going to be
0: mad about it. If they, they get bigger than us. <laughs> Let me see this. If they get Oh, it's than a bit us, cute. I'm sure they'll They're give a us a cute. leg up in, in return. What's wrong with doing that? It doesn't take anyone away from us. They can go and listen to that as well. Everyone's looking for stuff to listen They're to. They're probably a more professional setup than you and I. Maybe they are. They don't have our top bands though, do they? So good luck, <laughs> well, girls. We don't know. We haven't listened <laughs> to them. <Stephanie. laughs> solved, unsolved, or spooky. The, where's the harm in giving them a little thing? I know. It me? should be nice. They were very excited. Is this episode look, in the New Year look or, at or the not? Love curse! They give us. You're both yeah. incredible inspirations, and we love you. Look at that. It, I'm trying to work out if it's flattering. 2020
1: or 2021. I think it'll be 2021 t- for this one. Okay. Well, I it's think, a new yeah. year. Just. We turn a new leaf. So right.
0: Okay. And what happens in the new leaf? We don't... We give... are happy to support other
1: people, but really... Oh,
0: right. Okay.
1: I'm a mad feminist. We've been through this, so we should support that mean? other women. We, did... just, oh, we
0: just did. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm yeah. hell bent on it. But I'll do it for blokes too. Okay. Well, speaking right. of, here's one from Gary. Okay. He says, hi, I've recently discovered your podcast. Where have you been, Gary. Gary. Come on, Gary. we're over 100 episodes. But Gary's on board now, so don't he beat is. him up. He said, have I gotten through five or six episodes, I thought I'd connect with you and tell you about the bodies I've seen, which bodies. is what we love. Yes. More than one body. Yeah, he said bodies. bodies. When I was 18, I had a job in the office of a local ambulance service analysing information from the operational crews. A few years later, I began working in a revised department and would observe with crews to ensure that when I what I recorded in the office matched the work the crews would perform. Okay. Yep. The first dead body I saw was an elderly lady, like, la- what the fuck Chanel? I can't talk. I'm sorry, Gary. I've butchered your feedback. Let's start that par again. This would never happen on
0: Stephanie and Kim's podcast. Let me just... It wouldn't. Actually, no, actually it, didn't wouldn't. Know... Oh, I it wouldn't. I actually didn't know what to say then because I thought, do I pile in on Charnel? She's gone in hard on herself. Do <laughs> I I'm jump beating in?
1: myself up. Pile
0: on. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> the first dead body I
1: saw was an elderly lady. She'd been put to bed watching TV whilst her husband had gone to the club for a few drinks. Must be like an old person's club, right? Yeah, maybe he's not—he's not that kind of. <laughs> um, he, oh yes, next sentence. He was also elderly and was in the carer role. This was his usual routine. We arrived just after midnight. She was lying nude by the side of the bed on her side, squeezed between the bed and the bedside table, which had the TV on. It seemed that she'd been deceased for a while—too long for the paramedics to intervene. At the time, ambulance staff could only pronounce a person dead if the body had obvious signs of death. Oh, like geta- decapitation. <laughs> it's well, quite, that's quite obvious, an obvious it? sign of death. That makes sense. Or rigor mortis. We had to call and wait for a doctor to arrive. It was determined that she passed on through natural causes and was likely reaching to change channels on the TV at the oh, time she suffered some she kind fell. of attack and she fell out Why of bed. Why was naked? I don't sleep if naked. You're porn. I'm too afraid that what? something will happen in the middle of the night. Not just that. What about a fire?
0: Yeah, Kieran has jumped up before, like <laughs> to get burglars with his peen hanging out. Not, and I've said to him, telling that's not very really threatening.
1: It's not. It's, it's not, not threatening, no. and it's not your most confident. Yep, I don't think. Anyway, I can recall working on resuscitation, reaching for equipment and pumping an oxygen mask. I vividly remember the blood pumping from the victim's forehead. Oh God! I've missed a bit. See how I'm fucking everything up? <laughs> <sighs> this is the second time. The second time I saw a dead body. It'll be we 2021 were called... soon. Don't worry. It's, it's okay. It's 2021 in this episode. Oh, is it? Mm, <laughs> yes. See, we are in the future, but. In the present, I am still in my 2020 body with my 2020 brain. He says, The second time I saw a dead body, we were called to a victim who had been shot in the back of the head. It was believed to be gangland activity. I can recall working on resuscitation, reaching for equipment and pumping an oxygen mask. I vividly remember blood pumping from the victim's forehead. This was believed to have been the exit point of the bullet. The third body I've seen was the most difficult. It was also during my ambulance service work. I had reached a point where I was confident that the form's paramedics completed matched my analysis well Mm -hmm. broadly speaking the only type of calls i was unclear with were cardiac arrest calls we got a call to a halfway house for drug addicts from a teenager aged about 15 on arrival we found him standing against the wall the patient was his father who was lying in the middle of the bed surrounded by drug paraphernalia Mm -hmm. as the paramedics got to work i ran to and from the ambulance gathering equipment We spent ages carefully removing the patient down four stories of stairs, frequently stopping to provide assistance. I travelled in the front of the ambulance, not realising that he had arrested in the back. Once in hospital, uh, medical staff took over and at one point the head doctor asked a student nurse to to carry out CPR. She complained she thought that she'd broken a rib or two. The doctor replied, right now, that's the last thing on his mind. Yeah, true. Ultimately, he passed away. I was shattered as when I opened the door of the emergency room to push the stretcher back to the ambulance, his son was standing outside the door. I felt so deflated. Mm. That all happened about 20 years ago. I've only seen one other dead body, my grandmother, since then. Not sure how to end an email with this kind of content. Madness to say, I enjoy your show. and I'm looking forward to hearing the rest as I try catching up. Regards, Gary. Mm. The family members has got to be the worst part. Yeah. Working and, in an ambulance setting. His a child whose father had just died. It has to be the worst to tell people. And Nicholas and I have been the family members in that situation mm. when his dad passed away. And it he, is like you just – we were grieving, but I felt so terrible for the doctors that had to come in and tell us. Yeah. And we're just confronted by so much grief. I think it was awful. Yeah. For them. You know, like – what if you have to go out for dinner with friends that night? How do you just go and do oh, that? My yeah, God. You just have days where you're constantly deflated.
0: Yeah, it would
1: be terrible.
0: It would be wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, this one's from Eric Howdy Hi from Denver, Colorado. Yeah, Howdy. Woo. Nice things and even more nice things. I love you when the pod to pieces, and I love the pieces too, Eric. That's smooth. Yeah, it is oh, smooth. smooth. Talking to oh, here's here. Oh, Kirsten. Yep. More Kirsten, please. I love her voice oh, yeah, as well as cool. both of yours, especially when you lose it laughing. Keep up the banter and silliness. It's the jelly to the peanut butter on the sandwich, <gasps> so to speak. How American well, is that? I love when I love we, it. I love
1: Australians, but I love to, that we hear from people. It's overseas. exciting. It's isn't it? really, I can almost really hear exciting. Eric's accent in that email. Yeah. Like, I just love it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, he went in hard for straight up with howdy high. I love howdy high. Howdy, ha! Uh, Eric says I started listening four days ago during a graveyard rotation. What? What? He works at a graveyard.
1: Oh, or is it a graveyard, graveyard
0: shift. Graveyard shift. Yeah, oh, as a guard really of a dark and scary construction site. I started from the most recent and have been going backwards. Don't do that. We get worse that way. Uh, I'm about to start episode seven, six, and five are missing from the Stitch app. Oh, this is a bit heartbreaking, says Eric. He then sent another message where he says. I have four hours left in my shift. I'm already – yes. The what app? The Stitcher. Stitcher's Stitcher another podcast thing that people listen to. Are in we on Colorado? Colorado? Yep. Kirsten right. puts us everywhere. Okay. We're all over there. We're literally <laughs> sure. just disfiguring oh, yeah. the internet you all over that podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, Eric sends another one. I have four hours left in my shift and I'm already lost and forlorn as to what I'll listen to next. Eric, there's 200 – no, there's 100 110 episodes. 10 episodes to find them. To find we just
1: them. keep going.
0: <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, you'll never catch e- up. Ever. Oh, I know what he's talking about here. <laughs> Anyhow, some uh episodes ago you briefly mentioned scarves. I reckon that might be the one was either where I talked about my losing my one out of the car window or with the, um, what's her name that jumped off the Empire State was one of our first. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, The most beautiful death. That's her. Yes, her scarf floated to the ground. Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, blowing in the wind in cars or something like that. It made me think of this. He sent us a link to a story, which I'll get to in just a second. Uh, Eric says, I love your moira murder she's <laughs> got a mouthful of gingerbread Sorry. right now and dead body stories and wonderful banter together another time I'll be happy to relate a dead body story or two including a penile mishap during a cadaver class that I attended some years ago what we Eric love a penile mishap you buried the lead Eric let Please us know through. Uh, keep up the spectacular podcast la 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 know that you are loved cheers Eric thank you so Eric's story is uh, comes to us from onthisday.com so basically it starts with the death of grace kelly uh, kelly as you know right? is this the penile one i'm a no this the penile will oh. come later from eric he okay. gets back to us um basically <laughs> the penal know, will come later <laughs> <laughs> we know the story of grace <laughs> kelly she was in a car with her daughter stephanie in 1982 she had a stroke at the wheel she lost control on a steep winding road the vehicle mm-hmm. plunged and she died stephanie was badly injured but this and i didn't know this there was another actress who died not far from where that happened, at Roc-Aguel in Mont-Aguel, which is a mountain on the border between France and Monaco, which is near where Princess Grace died. Mm-hmm. Isadora Duncan was born in San Francisco in 1877. She was known as the mother of modern dance. She performed barefoot. She wore loose-fitting tunics. Her so dances were free-flowing. Sounds like a bit of a hippie. Mm-hmm. Yep. She was particularly popular with people in Europe and she lived a lot of her life on the French Riviera. On September the 14th, 1927, exactly 55 years before the death of Princess Grace and just a few miles from where that accident happened, Mm -hmm. Isadora met a young man sitting in an open-air Bugatti sports car. Oh, my God, how much would I love to see that car? Uh, Isadora asked him to take her for a spin and this is how the New York Times reported what happened next. Affecting, as was her habit, an unusual costume, Miss Duncan was wearing an immense iridescent silk scarf wrapped about her neck and streaming in long folds, part of which was swathed about her body with part trailing behind. I just want to stop there and say I have an image in my mind of the Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Oh, yes, because the trailing behind. Yes. Yes. Uh, Neither she nor the driver noticed that one of the loose ends fell over the side of the car and was caught in the rear wheel. Oh, no. The automobile was going at full speed when the scarf of strong silk suddenly began winding around the wheel (gasps) and with terrific force dragged Miss Duncan, around whom it was severely wrapped, bodily over the side of the car, precipitating her with violence against the cobblestone street. Isadora, Isadora's neck was broken and she died instantly she was 50 I had never heard of her neither and apparently she had way to die. kids or adopted kids and they went on to dance and they were called, known as the Isadorables
1: oh the Isadorables
0: and now we must end this episode and
1: now we must leave you I want
0: you to come down and meet the chickens Chanel okay lovely so what's the way you... I don't know I just wanted to press it okay, okay. and happy new year to everyone <laughs>
1: No, we're already in the new really? year. It's 2021. Yeah, I'm 2020... in the new year. No, but it's like, it's probably the second week of 2021 by this point.
0: May it be brighter and full of joy. And if you do happen to come across a dead body, we hope you don't. But mm. If you do, please let us know about it on our email, which Tony will tell you now. Dead Bodies is created by DD Dunleavy and Chanel Villa, and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at DeadBodiesPodcast at gmail.com.